This is the Bates Bobcast, our weekly podcast that takes a look at the week that was in Bates Athletics. My name is Aaron Morrison. This week we're celebrating the start of championship season for winter sports with women's basketball hosting the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament and a pair of skiers qualifying for next week's NCAA championships in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Plus, the track and field teams impressed at the New England championships and men's swimming match their best finish at NESCACs ever. All that and more coming up on the Bates Bobcast. Women's basketball team beat Trinity Saturday in the NESCAC semifinals before falling to Bowdoin in the championship game on Sunday. Despite the loss, the Bobcats are not only in the NCAA tournament, Bates is hosting the first two rounds this Friday and Saturday at Alumni Gym. The Bobcats take on Brooklyn College Friday at 6.30 p.m. in the first round, and if they win, they will play the winner of Springfield versus Widener Saturday at 6.30. Tickets go on sale to the general public this Wednesday at 3 p.m., and you can find a link to purchase them at GoBatesBobcats.com. The team gathered in the upstairs of Commons to watch the selection show on Monday, and after the announcement, we chatted with senior captains Morgan Kennedy and Davina Cabantu. Morgan, what are your thoughts on the opportunity to host NCAAs for the first time for the program since 2005? Um, that's just, it's so amazing. It's so much to take in, and I'm just so, I'm so proud of us. I'm so proud of our team, and we're so excited to get a couple more games in Alumni Gym. Davina, was the announcement of hosting a surprise for you? or Yes, it, it was a surprise, and I, I, it's just the best feeling ever to know that my days in Alumni are not over yet. So. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's one thing to make NCAs, but Morgan, it's another thing to be playing at home, right? Yeah. What are your thoughts on, like, you know, the fan support you're anticipating come Friday? Oh, I better see him. We better uh, need, I need some alumni magic. Oh, hack it. Yep. <laughs> and, and then, Davina, you know, after the NESCAC tournament, I mean, how, how hungry is the team right now? You know, kind of will get the bone game taste out of your mouth? I mean, it's just... It, start tomorrow in practice we just gotta flip the page and focus on this next game we got and you know now, now we have a new vision is compete compete in the final four and for the champ, national championship yeah i was gonna say morgan the next title is one thing but a national title is a whole other thing right what are your thoughts yeah. on the possibility of you know t taking this as far as it can go um yeah like at the beginning of the year we set goals for ourselves and one of them was to not only compete for a championship in terms of the NESCAC but to also compete for the NCAA tournament, so it's just awesome to see how we've set our minds to something all season, and finally here, and we get to host, and it's just it's awesome. Crazy. Davina <laughs> said she was surprised. Were you surprised? Unfortunately, somebody like tech, somebody texted me, <laughs> but I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't. So I didn't know we were hosting though. So that was great. But they were like, "Oh, you, you made it," and I was like, "Okay, yes." But then I saw like the little little asterisk, and I was like, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> so yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, great. best news ever. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much and congrats again. Thank you. Thank you. Speaking of competing in the NCAA championships, a pair of Bates skiers learned Tuesday that they're headed to Steamboat Springs, Colorado next week. As first-year Alpine skier Juliet Hoder and senior Nordic skiing captain Olivia Cuneo 
both qualified for nationals. Hoder becomes the first Bates first-year skier to qualify for NCAAs since 2012, thanks in large part to what she did last weekend at the Middlebury Carnival, where Hoder recorded a season-best sixth-place finish in the slalom and a season-best 24th in the giant slalom, making Hoder our female Bobcat of the Week. Cuneo already knew she was in after a spectacular campaign that included a spot on the podium at Dartmouth, but nevertheless, on Tuesday, it became official, and Hoder and Cuneo joined us on the Bobcast. Juliet, we'll start with you because you had to get another top 10, I think, right, in the slalom this past weekend. You did, in fact, it was your best yet, sixth place. So tell me a little bit about your mentality going in there at the Middlebury Carnival. What was going through your mind about what you needed to accomplish? I don't know. I was just kind of like going into it with like not much like thinking. I was just like, I knew that if I wanted to make NCAAs, I need another like top 10 or good result. And, like, my past two carnivals weren't that great. And, I don't know, it was just, like, it was just also just, like, such a fun race because it was the last carnival. So I kind of, like, feel like the pressure, I wasn't really putting too much on myself. I was just, like, trying to have fun with it and just, like, enjoy it. And, like, because it was our seniors last race, too. So I feel like the whole energy of this race was very different than, like, the past carnivals yeah well the team as a whole i think did really well right i mean yeah. actually alpine and nordic combined for sixth place so what yeah. was your thoughts on you know how well the team did i think it was our best carnival of the year and our team did really good and i know we had like good gs results too which we haven't really had that many like caroline roy came in 17th which was like incredible so that was really exciting and like definitely like kept the energy going throughout like the carnival weekend which was really exciting and Olivia, what was it like from the Nordic perspective, uh, Middlebury Carnival there? Um, you didn't have a whole lot of pressure on yourself, but to see the team again, you know, team up with Alpine and do so well, right? It was fun to go into the last weekend with very little pressure. Um, I, it allowed for more enjoyment of my last race um, in the EISA circuit, which was awesome because I think if I had gone into it with a lot of nerves and pressure, then I couldn't have enjoyed the atmosphere as much. But it was really fun to watch skiers like Cal Shrupp and – Aiden on my team who had like their best of the season mm -hmm. and I'm not sure if they were riding off the energy or they like wanted to put a little bit of pressure on themselves but like Cal did so well he got two top 20s um, and it was just super fun to see my other teammates like doing what we all knew they could do the whole season um, and finish on a really strong note. Now, um, Olivia, you've been all over, but we have you been from Vermont, but you've lived all over. You're from Vermont yeah. as well. Now you're both going to Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Um, I, you know, that's obviously a, a skiing hotbed, but what, have you either of you been there before? Yeah, I actually spent the last two summers there. There you go. So, um, <laughs> I <yeah>. figured. <laughs> One of my good friends who used to be on the team here had a house there, and she invited me out yeah. two years ago, and it was amazing. So I found a place to stay this last summer, um, and so it really feels so special that I get to go back because um, Steamboat has started to feel like my home. Like, this is kind of funny, but I love my job out there. I work at a cafe, and, like, immediately when I knew I was going to make it, I texted my boss, and I was like, okay, hey, can I pick up a couple shifts? Like, <laughs> I'm really excited to be back. And he was like, absolutely. Like, we're so excited to have you. So, in a way, it feels like I'm going home. I have a bunch of friends and close peers out there. What about you, Juliet? I've never been there, so I'm really excited to go. I have, like, a lot of friends, like, my old roommate at my school was from there. So, like, I'm just excited to go there because I've never been. What do they tell you about the what's alpine skiing like in, you know, Colorado? Not much, but yeah. <laughs> it seems like the mountains seem so cool. And, like, I'm just excited to just go ski there. I think it'll be really fun. And since you're so familiar, what's the Nordic skiing conditions like there? Um, It's hard. It's yeah. definitely hard. It's, <laughs> elevation. Yeah, it's <laughs> elevation and the way that the course is lined up. It's pretty much, like, climbing up and then going back down. 
Um, and then Alpine is just down. So <laughs> it's hard, but it's I already can tell it's going to be a really good vibe out there. Excellent. And then, I mean, to have both teams with representation, how special is that, you know, Juliet, to see, you know, Bates, you know, successful, you know, in both Alpine and Nordic here, right? I think it's so exciting to have, like, both the teams going. Like, I don't know, it's so fun. Um I'm, I don't know. I'm just like really excited to go. Yeah. And as and were you expecting this as a first year to have you know have that opportunity? No, like not <laughs> at all. I did not expect this at all. I was just trying to like go with like the flow of my first year and see what comes. But I don't know. It definitely turned out better than I expected. And Olivia, I think you've talked before about how when you were first year, you, you couldn't imagine you know making it as a first year. What's it like to see a first year you know have this success? I mean, I had mono my first yeah. year, so like, that, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying that like I cannot imagine it. Yeah. Like I just feel like like coming to college, like there are so many things that could go wrong, and just to see your success is really, really amazing. What do you think the atmosphere would be like? Have you talked to the coach of, at all about what you might you know expect here? No, not much. I mean, I just I know it's like. The group that's going, it's, like, a lot of, like, the older girls, which I don't really know that well, which I think it'll be, like, I think it'll be fun. It's definitely going to be, like, crazy to be, like, crowds and stuff, but um, I don't know. I'm just, like, excited. I don't really know. I haven't really thought much about what it's going to be like, but. And, Olivia, you're on the other end of the spectrum as, as a fifth-year senior here to finally make it after having, you know, some success here. What does that mean to you to, you know, be able to compete on the national stage now to wrap up your college career? It's so special. Um, I was thinking about this today, like when I came in as a first year, obviously I had mono, so I just got to observe and that my senior captain at the time, she made it to NCAAs. And I remember thinking like probably a little overly confident as a first year. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to make it someday. Like when I'm, when I'm better, I'm going to make it. (laughs) And then my sophomore year came and I was like, wow, it is so hard to make it. (laughs) And then I improved a little bit last year. But the goal was, like, still out of reach a bit. And so to actually make it this year, it's kind of a shock. Like, I am really excited. And, I'm, like, in some ways I think I've earned it. And in other ways I'm like, wow, I'm going with a lot of fast girls. And it's just cool to, to like, tag along. <laughs> and, Julia, I think we mentioned before how, you know, the slalom is your is your best event. The giant, giant slalom, you didn't get to compete in as much growing up. Is that right? Yeah. And you had your best result yet in the GS this past weekend um, as yeah. well. Um, so what what was clicking there? That day was like the last GS and the crowd was like insane there were so many people and like the energy was just like so fun and like I think everyone was just like skiing and like there wasn't that much like thought into it and just like a fun hill and I don't know the team did really good in that GS so excellent 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 well Olivia any other thoughts you wanted to share with us about you know this upcoming trip and what you're most looking forward to I am probably most looking forward to the fact that it's in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> like last year, I wasn't too upset that I didn't make it because it was in Lake Placid and I've been there so many times. And I was like, oh, okay, like it's a really hard course. I'm fine with that. But this year, I really wanted to make it, like I said, because I've been to Steamboat before um, and the people there are great. And I'm having a bunch of friends who just because they live out in Colorado come up and watch the race. And so like I get to see one of my like childhood friends and like my boyfriend's going out. And like, I just, I think that the people and like the atmosphere is just going to be amazing. And I'm, Definitely putting that before the racing, so I think that'll be good. <laughs> well, <laughs> excellent. Well, yeah, Olivia, obviously very familiar with Colorado. Any other thoughts you want to share with us, Julia? This new experience. Have you been to the state before? Yes. Okay. I have. <laughs> um, no, I've been there quite a few times. Okay. But just never steamboat. Gotcha. But, um, I I'm just excited to go and like also just race against the like West people. Like sure. I've never like really raced against them, and it's like I think it'll be exciting to like be in a different environment and like. 
see what it's like out there to ski there. But I was going to say we're kind of in like an EISA bubble here at Bates. But there's a whole other yeah. conference or area of the country, right, Olivia? I mean, yeah, <laughs> totally. I it's kind of cool to come from one of the better conferences, like the West, Colorado, and Utah have some really good schools. Yeah, but. I mean, you just like look at the women on like the Alpine and Nordic side, and we are like so fast. Like mm. we're sending a good group this year, so I think we can hold our own. Sounds good. <laughs> Olivia Cuneo and Juliet Hoder both heading to the NCAA championships taking place uh, next week there at Steamboat Springs, Colorado. The links are on NCAA.com we'll, to watch. You can watch live, and we'll share those links on our website, GoBatesBobcats.com. Thanks so much. Congratulations to you both. Thank you. Thank you. The swimming and diving teams will learn officially who is going to the NCAA championships on Wednesday, but they have a pretty good idea. One of the athletes who's likely going is senior captain Mark Gregory on the men's team, which competed at the NESCAC championships last week and matched the program's best finish ever with a fourth place showing. Gregory himself was the ultimate weapon in the pool, scoring in sprint and distance events. He earned all NESCAC honors with top three finishes in four different events and was part of three school record-breaking performances over the weekend. Gregory is our male Bobcat of the Week, and he gives us a look back at a terrific NESCAC championship meet for the Bobcats. Well, Mark, this is actually your first time on the Bobcast, so uh, welcome in, male Bobcat of the Week. A big performance there at the NESCAC championships. Uh, you're from Saratoga Springs, New York. Tell us a little bit about your background, how you first started swimming, and what eventually led you to Bates. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, my final meet is a Bobcat, and I finally made it on the Bobcat, so <laughs> this is a big day for me. But uh, yeah, I want to say I started swimming when I was four, so I just loved getting in the pool. I used to get yelled at by lifeguards for like putting my face underwater and just staying there, like doing a dead man's float. But uh, my older sister and my older brother would swim on the swim team, and I would have to go to practice with them. And Pretty much everything they did, I begged my mom to do, so I would beg to be on the swim team then, so I joined then. And then I came to Bates because I loved talking to Peter, and I loved some of the guys I met on my recruiting trip, Dan Waterland and uh, Calvin Tuttle, two of the guys that graduated a couple years ago, who I really had a great time with, so thank them for getting me here. And uh, your, your meet this past weekend there at Nescacks, I mean, first of all, you're doing it all, right? You're swimming the mile. You're swimming sprint relays. <laughs> How do you prepare for that? Because it's, you know, most swimmers don't do that. Most swimmers are, you know, sprinters or distance, but you do it both. Yeah, so mainly for the uh, sprint events, I just kind of go out there and hope I can do my best. I don't train those very much, especially this year. We really focused on the distance events more than anything. Uh, in years past, we've done resistance training with the uh, sprint group, but this year the distance group kind of led away from that. We didn't do as much resistance training, so I was really nervous about swimming that 100 free at the end of the meet, but I got to settle my nerves a little bit with the 400 medley relay. I got to do that the day earlier, and I had a good time in that, so I was ready for the final one. So since you're not working with the sprinters as much this year, what's it like you know, at a meet just hopping into that relay group that's, you know, they work out together a lot, and you're kind of coming in as not an outsider, but someone who doesn't necessarily work out with them a whole lot, right? I'd say we're still really close yeah. uh, because we get to eat dinner after practice all the time. We go to commons yeah. all together, and we're all practicing at the same time in the same pool. So I wouldn't say it was that weird, and they all knew that I was going to be on that relay, so they were all ready for it. And I think we were all just 
pretty confident going into it. We were hoping to win, but we'll take that second place. Well, Peter said that, yeah, the 400-yard freestyle relay was the one he was perhaps the happiest about. I mean, second place, and he wasn't expecting that, I don't think. Um, so, I mean, take us through the, that relay, you know, play-by-play, play, if you will, from your perspective. <laughs> okay, yeah. So we started off with John Weigel. He's got the best start out of all of us. So when he dove in the pool and he was he was a little behind the rest of the pack, but the rest of the pack were all the top guys from all the other teams. So we were expecting that a little bit. I think he went like a 45-1, 45 low, or 45 mid, 45-5. So we were really happy with that time. That was half a second off from his previous best that meet. So we were happy with that start. And then Max Corey diving in the pool. He's the fastest sprinter in D3. Uh, 1966 is the top time for the 50 free, so we knew that he was going to come on strong and we were going to be up there with Tufts. And then uh, Nate Pierce, I think, was the surprise of the relay. He's never gone under 46 seconds, and he dropped it all the way down to 44, so he completely skipped over 45. That was really incredible going into it. And I was really excited for him, And but I was swimming right after him, so when I got up on the blocks, I'm nervous I feel my shoulder starts twitching a little bit when I get nervous and I could really feel it but diving into that water I was just praying that the Williams guy did not catch me yeah because um it was uh definitely a you know a very exciting race and you know what's it like to anchor a race like that I mean the anchor experience supposed to be you know having some other role I suppose uh I was really excited for the anchor spot I'm glad coach gave me that because uh, it really gave me an opportunity to show that I can finish. And because of a race that I lost two years ago, oh, sophomore year, yeah. against uh, one of the Colby swimmers at the end of the race, he outtouched me, and I've never forgotten that. So I always try to take pride in my finishes, even if I have to sacrifice the middle of my races. But it was uh, it was really great for Coach to give me the anchor because I love trying to finish hard. And I did finish hard. I beat that Williams kid when I saw him at – the 50 meter mark excellent yeah i mean i was gonna say um you know it's interesting how some races just kind of stick with you so that's something that's you know been your mind for a while now i guess what happened two years ago yeah yeah yeah. so what happened two years ago was i was swimming the mile in the colby pool against uh colby swimmer Mm. anthony manichiello and i was probably a body length ahead of him with a 25 left in the race and he totally dusted me on that last 25 and I remember the weeks after I would watch the video on my phone and I'd just start screaming in my room. I was so upset about it. Oh, my it. goodness. <laughs> so uh, I really took that one to heart, and it really helped me train hard that season and drop a lot of time that season and just get better. So, yeah, I, I want to say that I really take pride in those finishes after that one. I was going to say, like a race like the mile, not necessarily thinking about maybe the touch at the end because it doesn't often come down to being that close right as compared compared to a sprint so that's that's kind of almost a rare situation isn't it or how how often does a mile race come down to out touching somebody i want to say not terribly often yeah but yeah. definitely at meets like this where the focus is really getting a highest place as possible mm-hmm. a lot of times if you're around somebody then you're gonna just focus on them completely and focus less on the time and focus more on trying to beat them uh, I know uh, one of the Williams guys, Carter Anderson, has made it really exciting the last two years. He's won the 1,000 and the mile both years, and both times he just comes in at the end and takes it. Uh, he took it from me last year in the 1,000, which was really disappointing, but he's an incredible swimmer. So, Yeah, so speaking of that race, we were just mentioning the 400-yard freestyle. You mentioned Bates beat Williams. The the time, 258.55 for Bates. 258.93 for Williams. So when you touch that wall, 
you have to look up the scoreboard real quick, or do you have a sense that you beat him? <laughs> uh, I I knew that I had him yeah. when I saw him on the last 25. <laughs> I knew it was my race to win, so I just put my head down, and I looked up pretty much right away, but I saw the guys celebrating, and I when I saw that second place, I was really excited. Excellent, excellent. And um, were you a distance swimmer in high school and stuff like that? Yeah, so in high school, they don't swim the mile, okay. but they swim the 200 and the 500 in every single meet I was swimming that. So it kind of translated over, and club swimming, they do swim the mile, and I had a good mile time from that. So when I got here, PC was looking to put me in that distance group. So it wasn't much of an adjustment there. You kind of knew what you were getting into. No, I knew what I was getting into. <laughs> Excellent. But then having to also become a sprinter a little bit, I mean, it was that that's probably not something you were expecting. Uh, no, that was a complete surprise. <laughs> yeah. Uh, starting my sophomore year, mm-hmm. uh, I, it was actually really funny. I didn't bring a suit to the last session because I thought I was done swimming. I swam the mile in the morning. Yeah. So that was supposed to be my last race. I didn't pack a suit for the night session. I get there. I don't have anything to swim with. And coach comes up to me. He says, hey, I'm throwing you on the B relay tonight. And I go, what? (laughs) Coach had not put me in 100 free all season. I'd never swam the 100 free for him. He'd never seen me swim one. (laughs) But he was like, Mark, you're having a killer meet. And I want you to be on that relay. So that was really nerve-wracking, but uh, each of these past three years, I've been able to do it, and I've been getting faster each time. So Yeah, so you're the school record holder in the 500, the 1,000, and the mile. You were briefly our school record holder in the 200, and then Weigel broke it like two days later because I think you let off the 100-yard freestyle relay, right? Yeah. So what's it like having the, you know so many good swimmers where records are getting broken two days after they're set, right? <laughs> I mean, it's exciting. So I had the 200 free record all this year. I broke okay, it yeah, last you had it. year. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah but you set a I, new one, I think. I set a new one yeah, that's what it was. the 800 free relay, but I yeah. knew it wasn't good enough <laughs> because I knew John was going to get that record, but... Uh, I was telling him that he needed to swim a little slower, but I, it was more of a joke. I'd go up to him and I'd say, John, you really cannot swim fast tomorrow. <laughs> but I knew that he was going to break that record, and I think he knew it too because he had practically gone that time in a dual meet. Mm. So uh, we all saw it coming, and it's just really exciting to have him on the team and training with him. And uh, we both get an opportunity to swim at a national, yep. so I'm hoping I can take that record back from him. Yeah, there's no chance for you, for sure. Um, yeah, and speaking of nationals, obviously uh, when people qualify, you can kind of mix and match what events you swim in as long as you have a B cut, right? So what are your thoughts on what you might be swimming at for NCAAs? So I'm going to be swimming that 200 freestyle. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be leading off the relay this time, so mm-hmm. I'm only going to get one opportunity okay. to beat him. But yeah. I'm going to be on that 800 freestyle relay. I'm going to be swimming the 200 the 500 free and the mile those are going to be my three individual events and then on top of that i'm probably going to be in the four free relay too yeah i got four free relay just set the record there the other day i'm um, along with the 800 free relay there at nescax i mean you guys graduated a lot of good talent from last year i mean nathan barry uh, to lead the way but a bunch of good seniors so what's it like to have this team be so successful again you know reloading almost it shows us the strength of the program a little bit doesn't it oh yeah definitely i mean I think graduating the eight seniors last year, I think seven of them scored at NESCAX, and six of them came with us to nationals, so it was a really big group to lose. And to come back this year, I think we had 17 guys score at NESCAX, which was even better than last year. So it really shows how a lot of guys on the team stepped up and did better than they did in previous years. And a lot of the freshmen came in, too, and they were ready to go. They were ready to score, and they all did, so... 
is really impressive from a lot of people. Yeah, Weigel being one of them, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, any other thoughts you wanted to share on Netscax or on the season so far we haven't got to talk about yet? Yeah, I just want to say that this was probably my favorite Nescax out of all three of the ones I've been to, and uh, I lost my voice on the second day, <laughs> as you can hear, and it's because I was screaming so hard for my boys, and I'm just really happy that we pulled out the fourth place and beat Colby Yep. because uh, losing to the Colby by four points in the dual meet was really disappointing. I mean, if we had just won one more race, we would have gotten them. So I'm just really happy we got to beat them this time, and Really, they're a great source of motivation for me in the pool, so I'm really happy that it's always close with them. It's always fun. Excellent. Mark Gregory, our male Bobcat of the Week, the Bobcats men's swimming and diving team, fourth place at NESCAX, matching their best finish ever. Next stop, NCAA Championships in March. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Yeah, thank you very much. The track and field teams compete at the New England Division Three Indoor Championships this weekend in Boston at the track at New Balance. And the men's team placed fourth overall, their best finish at the meet since 2015. Senior Captain Ned Farrington won the New England Championship in the mile with his time of four minutes. 11.18 seconds. Well, Ned, New England Championships, New England champion in the mile run. Um, it wasn't even a PR for you, but you won the New England title. So just take us through the race and kind of how it went from your perspective there. Yeah, it was a, a really tricky race overall. I got out a bit slow. The entire field got out slow. I got spiked pretty bad. I got a couple marks on my shin from that. Um, but yeah, we were only out through 233, 34 seconds, which is definitely on the um, slower side of things. And yeah, we kind of just continued hitting pretty moderate splits, um, you know, 31, 31 and change per lap. And then, um, yeah, with about 400 to go, Henry Hardart from MIT kind of made a move um, on the back straight, came around me and the Williams kid. And yeah, I just decided to go with him. And uh, with about 100 to go, I thought he got me. Um, I, I thought I was toast. Uh, I was feeling the lactic acid hard. But um, yeah, with 50 meters left, I kind of found this extra gear um, that I think you can really only find it in like championship races where like team points are on the line and it's not just about you. And um, yeah, I would just put in this surge with 50 meters to go and got him by, I I didn't even know it was as close as it was, but when I saw the video, I was like, it, it could not, it can't get any closer really in a mile race. So um, yeah, that's how it went. And I was really glad I fought for that extra um two points because that put us over williams that's right that's so, yeah. made a big difference i'm, I'm curious about that because yeah it was less than a second uh, the final margin um and a mile is you know decently sized race in terms of distance so have you ever been in a distance race like that or mid distance i guess you could call it that's that close i i have okay. fighting for like second or third oh, okay. but never for the I, I have never won, personally, a mm. uh, major championship, so that was definitely the biggest nail-biter I've ever been in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it was like basically a sprint to the end where you're both pretty tired, I imagine. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Just like gritting the teeth, like fully swinging the arms, yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned the team aspect of it. The team got their best finish in New England since, uh, I think, 2015, so fourth place there, and as you mentioned, by one point over Williams. So what's that like as a team kind of – uh, looking at the scoreboard throughout, and you know Williams is a program you always want to try to beat, obviously, and and getting that victory so narrowly over them. Yeah, it it was like hands down the most fun meet I've ever been a part of. Mm. Just like from the first event of the day, the DMR, um, the guys went out there, um, beat their seed by like four places. They got fourth, and we were like, okay, this is this is gonna be a good day. Um, then 
uh, Kevin O'Connor and Derek Shen almost made the final in like what was basic, probably the most competitive 60 meter uh, New England championships of all time. Um, and yeah, so we like everybody was just just going. And then I, I came in the mile after that. And um, yeah, I was able to win and I, I didn't think I was going to win. So getting 10 points for the team, that was also good. It just kind of felt like everything was sort of breaking our way for the most part, which in past championships, we found like it kind of hasn't broken our way. So throughout the whole day, yeah, we were just getting wins on wins. And um, yeah, as we got towards the relays at the end of the meet, it was getting really nerve wracking. Um, <laughs> we were waiting on the shot put points to come into the live results and those came in and we were like, okay, um, if we can beat Williams in the four by eight, um, which we did handily, they got second did us a huge favor there and as long as Williams doesn't do too well in the four by four we're gonna beat them and it literally came down to one point which is pretty crazy over the course of 20 something events uh, for that to happen yeah certainly so very strong um kind of not into the season but for you know a majority of people the last meet of the indoor season but we do have a couple more coming up we have the last chance meet and we have hopefully NCAs for people who can take advantage perhaps of that last chance meet or already have the numbers. What are we looking at? And who are we going to see at Tufts uh, this weekend here? Yeah, so we'll be carrying a decent squad down there. Yeah. Um, not everyone that's going necessarily thinks they're going to sure. qualify, but they want to at least uh, give it a shot and get used to just competing that late in the season. But mm. yeah, so we're going to be running a distance medley relay. Um, we think we have one of the best teams in the country and we think we can, you know, uh, be all Americans, even maybe contend for the national title in that. So that's going to be um, uh, Ross on the 1200 leg, uh, Truman on the 400, and um, Calvin on the 800, and then I'll be um, the mile leg at the end of that. Yeah. Interesting. So Ross on the 1200, even though his 800 times have been really good this year, how does that kind of work? Yeah. So it's it's kind of a tricky one. Yeah. You basically, Calvin is has been running really well in the 800, mm -hmm. but isn't necessarily as good of like a miler. And okay. Ross can kind of run the eight and the mile. So you take the middle of those. Sure. That's a really, really good 1200. Mm -hmm. um, and then I just don't really have the speed to be a good 800 or 1200 guy, but I have the strength to be a miler. So, and then yeah, Truman's a no brainer sure. for 400. Yeah. Yeah. Now this will be the first time you all have run together really as a DMR team. Right. So it's kind of coming together at the last minute here, but hopefully to, for a lot of success. Uh, what are your thoughts on kind of a, a new group, sort of? Yeah, it's uh, the distance medley is a, a strange event because it's run at so few meets mm. that, yeah, every team kind of targets two opportunities, and that is the um, BU um, Valentine meet right. in February and then the last chance meet. Um, and basically you're more making the decision just based on the different components of it, not actually through running it and seeing how fast you go. So you're like, okay, we have a 408 miler, we have a 152, 800 guy, we have another 154, 800 guy, and we have a, you know, almost 48 second, 400 guy. So yeah, we should be up there. Um, and that's what every team's kind of looking at. They're just weighing out the different different pieces of the relay to figure out whether it's worth going for it. Still got to hand off that baton though, right? Got to have that chemistry there, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I, at, at the very elite level of this event, the handoffs are still actually pretty sure. important. And yeah. you got to put all four legs together on one day. So, so you all four will be working a lot on that this week, you think? I think we'll definitely do some run-throughs. I'm notoriously yeah. terrible at uh, 
handoffs. Yeah, don't don't really have the coordination for that. <laughs> the other three will be fine at it. But yeah. and thankfully, I won't have to hand off to anyone. I just gotta get the stick and then not drop it. So oh, because you're the anchor. I'm the anchor. Okay, so, okay, yeah. okay, okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, that's the goal. Yeah, excellent, excellent, excellent. So um, you you mentioned how great the team did overall. I mean. At, you know, after your races, when you're watching, what kind of stood out to you about some other performances, perhaps? Oh gosh, I yeah, I mean, there there were so many, but yeah. I like, I think the one that gave me like goosebumps was the four by eight at the end of the day, because mm. um, that was the one that kind of sealed it over Williams. Um, those guys, every single leg of that relay was tired; they had all already ran earlier um, in the day. They went out there and finished runner-up to an Amherst team that had mostly fresh legs. Um, and what what really stood out to me was Jackson Mons, who had kind of had a rough race in the 600. He did not do what he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And when that happens, it's really difficult to come back and put out a good performance. And he ran the um, – not sure if by time it was the strongest leg, but he passed the most people in his leg. And we were in like – fifth or sixth place and he put us in second and then Ross just took it home and we were we were just going nuts on the infield watching that because we knew that was going to put us over Williams and yeah that was that was going to seal our fate so <laughs> that one was just like I, I yeah I'll dream of that one forever yeah excellent well we're all excited for the last chance meet obviously coming up but I see that how that DMR team does, and hopefully after that we'll see some guys at NCAs. Uh, Ned Farrington, the New England champion in the mile. Thanks so much for joining us on the Bobcast. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. On the women's side, senior captain Maddie Lee had a big breakthrough in the 400 meters, clocking in at 59.32 seconds, good for ninth on the Bates' all-time performance list. On top of that, she helped the Bates' distance medley relay team score points for the Bobcats as they finished sixth in New England. It was a busy day for Lee who also contributed to the 4x200 relay team's 11th place showing. Well, Maddie, a big breakthrough there for you in the 400 meters, uh, sub-60 there, a number ninth all-time at Bates. So take us through kind of the race and how it went there in New England. Yeah, so it was definitely a busy day. Um, I opened the day with the DMR relay, um, running the 400 leg there. Um, and I actually broke 60 in that race, but relay splits tend to be a little bit quicker because you kind of have that lead up um, and they're not always, you know, as accurate. So um, I had, think I had split 59 in relays in the past, so I didn't think much of it, but I knew that I had to be super confident and aggressive going into my second race of the day, which was the individual 400. Um, and it was a very competitive field. Um, I was seated probably 20th with my previous time of about 60 flat. Um, so I really just didn't want to have any regrets. I um, was in a heat of only three people, and I just tried to attack it pretty um, aggressively and close as hard as possible. Um, I knew that I could run faster than those other girls, so I really tried to make kind of a bold move to cut in and going into that second lap just close as hard as I've ever closed I just didn't want to be left feeling like I could have pushed it more um and yeah it was a really great surprise that it ended up being um you know 59.3 because I figured that doubling my legs would be a little bit tired but maybe that was kind of an extra boost of strength in the end how much time did you get to recover between the races I had like two and a half hours between those two and then I had another sort of lull in the day where I was just kind of recovering, elevating, you know, hydrating. And then I came back to do the um, 
four by 200 meter relay and I did um, the anchor leg of that which was really fun um, I love my team doing relays with my teammates um, it was a great end to the day and we didn't end up placing in that one but we did place sixth I believe in the DMR in the morning which was great yeah I was gonna mention yeah sixth place for the DMR obviously um, I think for both the women's and the men's team pretty happy with the DMR performance are you gonna try another one this weekend at Tufts or how's that gonna go yeah so the women aren't competing at Tufts I believe oh. the, the men are sending sure. a DMR to yeah. Tufts but it's a really um, cool race because there's just they're just such different races. You know, you have the 1200, um, the 800, the 400, which is really not distance; it's a sprint, and then the mile. And so it was really cool to come together with my teammates that I don't, you know, I don't train with distance. So it was great to come together as a group and put forward the best relay we possibly could and I had been really nervous about that triple because 400 400 200 a lot on the body but um, once the day came around some of those nerves were obviously still there but some of them I just decided to kind of like lean into and see what I could do and like try to be there for my teammates especially in those relays. Well, going back to the individual event the 400 you mentioned only two other women in the race so what's that like to be in such a small field I mean yeah. I feel like that must be kind of weird. <laughs> yeah well um, two weeks prior I had raced at BU and mm -hmm. I was in a similar small heat and I ended or I guess it wasn't a small heat but that was the most recent race I had done mm -hmm. and I ended up getting a little bit boxed in and feeling like um, really regretful that I didn't make a more aggressive move and try to get in front of them even if it would be pretty painful so that feeling of sort of like regret I just didn't want to have that again I wanted to leave it all out on the track and having just two other competitors that were seated pretty close in time to me I just had this feeling that like I could do more than the time I was seated at and just those small improvements throughout the past couple weeks and feeling pretty confident in workouts I was just like it's worth it to make a move, even if it's really, really painful in the last 50 meters. And it was, but it was worth it. <laughs> For sure. Um, and then, you, be, you know, being a senior captain, what's that experience been like from a leadership perspective? Yeah, I mean, I, me as well as the other seniors, we just did not have, you know, the most typical start to Bates sure. track and field. We started, you know, in small pods, practicing in pods where you didn't get to know your other teammates very well, in masks, you know, a, a, barely any competition. And it's just been like really amazing to, you know, f feel the program growing. And really this year, I think I've really felt like a senior, which, um, you know, I didn't expect because it did feel like our college experience was accelerated quite a bit. But being a leader on a team makes you feel like a senior and like you're ready for this. And um, I love, you know, being sort of there for the younger teammates and trying to, you know, help them with their nerves on meet day, answer questions they have, um, and then come together to run some relays. You know, the, the four by two was a three freshmen and um, then me. So okay. it was a really fun collaborative, collaborative effort to race with those younger girls who are so, so strong and so fast. Excellent. Well, you mentioned the women not racing at Tufts. Are you looking to head down to outdoor season, 400-meter hurdles? I know you have a pretty good mark in that from, I think, 2022. Are you be seeing you in that again this year? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have some um, women heading down to Tufts this weekend, but just, oh, just no. Yeah, just not me and, um, okay. and not a relay um, that I know of, at least. And then... Um, yeah, March is, um, you know, we just really ramp up with the training, with the lifting for sprinters. We get back in the weight room a lot more frequently than we had been when we were sort of tapering. Um, and then looking to outdoor, yeah, I'm definitely going to be probably focusing on the 400-meter hurdles, but I, I think I could still give 
more in the open 400 and outdoor tends to be a little bit easier in that race because you don't have to cut in um, you stay in your lane the whole time and it's just one lap not two so I think that there are more opportunities for hopefully me to get a really good outdoor PR in that open event and just the past couple years I've had a lot of injury that have prevented me from you know racing every meet um, last year I think I only raced at two or three meets so I'm just very grateful that I was able to be healthy, healthier for this indoor season, and I'm hoping that work that um, our team has been putting in will help carry us through this March period and then into a really successful outdoor season. That's interesting. Yeah, you think like 400 meters, you know, what's the difference? Well, there's a big difference, it sounds like. I mean, how does that change things from a strategic perspective that there's, you know, only one lap and you don't have to cut in how does that change things for you yeah I think that there are definitely like more frustrating races indoor where you get boxed in I think a lot of my teammates who run the race have found that as well same with like the 600 so having you know the 400 start in one lane is definitely an opportunity to not really worry as much about the people around you and to like run your race um, without the added like external worries about getting boxed in or you know shoving even or getting you know trampled (laughs) excellent what are your thoughts you wanted to share on new england just from maybe from a team perspective what you saw as one of the captains yeah i mean i think that you know going into it um we we had placed um similarly last year i think we placed 12th and this year we placed 13th which you know on surface level would be disappointing we were hoping to place higher or you know place better this year but I don't think that that team score um, reflects what happened at the meet at all Um, energy wise and performance wise we had so many amazing performances you know we had Emily Kane get on um, even higher up on the um, top 10 list in the 60 meter dash we had Carly move up in the weight throw and the women were just like putting such a great team effort and Um, we just made it feel like a championship, which was awesome to see. And there were a lot of alumni there too, which was really cool. And yeah, I just think that, you know, even though the men placed a lot higher than us, they had some insane performances. I really felt like the women were coming together and still, even when we knew we maybe weren't going to place in the top 10, we were still like fighting until the last relay. All right, Maddie Lee, thanks so much for joining the Bobcast. Congrats again on number ninth all time there in the 400. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. The tennis, lacrosse, and baseball teams opened their seasons last week. The tennis teams fell to Division II opponents Rollins and Florida Southern down in the Sunshine State, but there were some highlights, including the number one doubles team of Allie Freeman and Iris Westmoreland winning both of their matches. The baseball team went 1-2 in Virginia, with senior captain Chris Semino off to a hot start, going 5-8 for eight at the plate with six walks. Women's lacrosse fell in a close one at number 17 nationally ranked Stevens by a count of 10-8, and men's lacrosse opened the season with a six. 16-15 overtime win over Emerson before falling 11-10 at Skidmore in double overtime. In the Emerson game, senior Will Masterson had the game-winning goal for Bates. Well, Will, first of all, you're taking shot after shot against Emerson. You finally connected when it mattered the most in overtime. So take us to the kind of that game and what opened up for your game-winning goal? Um, yeah, I don't know. Nothing was really falling for me at first. Um, kind of like my teammates really had me throughout the game. I got like a an awesome line of freshmen on, with me on attack. Um, and, yeah, that last goal, I kind of kind of like haven't had a game like that in a while where I hadn't had a point, and I, I knew one would fall. And, yeah, it just happened to be the, the game winner there. Um, got lucky and, and went in five-hole, yeah. Kind of interesting game because you guys had a pretty big lead. Emerson came back, and you were able to, you know, stave them off for the win. What was kind of like the – 
feeling about that victory kind of because it's kind of interesting, you know, type of game where you, it was almost a relief, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, yeah, kind of thought like we had it in the bag. I mean, you, you never can think that way in lacrosse. Like you can always shift um, so quickly. But um, that was one of our goals this year was to get that first win. So we were still happy with that result. Um, and most importantly, we learned a lot um, in that game. We we came out of that game with a bunch of great things on film that we took away from and learned from. But, yeah, um, we had to win that game. And thankfully, we got it done in the last few seconds there, yeah. You mentioned a lot of the first years on the line in the on the attack with you because Danny you know, said, you know, first years are going to get a lot of playing time this year. You're a senior. What's it like working with these younger guys? What have they been like coming into the program? Oh, man, it feels amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, just having some other people on the line that um, can share points with is just, yeah, something um, I've somewhat lacked over the last few years. Um, and, yeah, Coach told me one big thing I had to do this year was step up my leadership and – man, like, I really feel like I've grown as, as a person in a lot of ways. And yeah, showing these young kids the ropes has really just been, it's just made me super happy to show them what's up. Yeah. And one kid was Gray Doyle. He had like, what, six goals and eight assists this past week? I mean, what, what are you seeing from him? This this guy coming in. Working. Yeah. Yeah. Gray, Gray is sick. He's got yeah 14 <laughs> points on the season already. That's more than what, uh, what I've ever done. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm I love hyping this kid up. He's a little animal, um, and he's killing it. And I'm just gonna keep looking for him. He's gonna keep looking for me. And yeah, we we make it happen. I love that kid. Yeah. So break it down for us on the field. What's kind of his role? What's your role? Where are you guys on the field? How are you guys connecting? Yeah. So I'm playing like more of like um, in my pair with like the midi up top on the left wing. I'm more of like a step down shooter most of the time. Can make moves above the net, and he is. And, uh, a really great X attackman can shift people back and forth behind the net, get them going one way and go the other. Um, and he's he does it all, man. He can inside finish, shoot from the outside, get his hands free from whatever, and feed anyone. He has great eyes. Okay, so we're going to see him a lot behind the net, kind of setting things up that way, mm-hmm. like what Matt Lestava kind of used to do, yeah, right? a little exactly. bit like that. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's a righty. Yeah, he's a righty, right? Yeah, and yeah. you're lefty though. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So um, as a lefty attacker, I know lefty attackers are important in lacrosse. Break it down for us what that role is being left-handed. You have a specific kind of role, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, we got two lefties on mm-hmm. the uh, on the attack line this year. But, yeah, lefty's kind of unique. There's not a lot of us. Um, and, like, for that reason, I don't like to go to my right hand a lot. I like <laughs> to keep the stick in my left hand. But, yeah, um, it's a little different because most defensemen are used to guarding right-handed kids just because there's more of them. So, like, lefty kind of, like, throws them for a loop sometimes, even though I'm getting – slash more often because if you think about it their right hand is is easier to check me if i'm going right or going to my left yeah Mm. (laughs) Yeah. so you gotta be prepared for some contact for sure yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um you know you had two games this past week the skidmore game went to double overtime so an overtime game then a double overtime game close loss there but i mean two really close games to start the year what's that like from a lacrosse player's perspective you enjoy those or you wish they were a little bit um maybe not as close (laughs) i mean yeah we're always hoping for a win yeah i guess like in reflection of the past two seasons these have been two great games yeah um and i've i've really had fun throughout i mean yeah we should have won both but um i've had a lot of fun and yeah my first i've gone into three overtimes my first two games my senior year which is more than 
I haven't gone into an overtime <laughs> since I got to Bates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was your first ever overtime game there against Emerson. Yes. Okay. Nice. Yeah. And uh, obviously For sudden Bates victory. Was... Yeah, and victory there. You guys are on the road a bit. You got what? Keen uh, Hamilton this Saturday, and then at Keene State next Wednesday coming up. Um. So our so NESCAC play. What are your thoughts? Um. You know, starting on the road against Hamilton. Obviously, every NESCAC game is tough, but obviously it would be real nice to start with a victory, right? <laughs> For sure. For sure. We're the only team in the NESCAC that has two games under our belt, or mm. one, actually. Nobody else has played a game, so we're feeling super confident going into Hamilton. But, yeah, this week is just going to be um, focusing on us right now. And you guys obviously played on the new Garcelon turf there last Wednesday against Emerson. What was that experience like? I mean, I, you've been practicing on it, but what, what was it like to play on it? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I love that turf. Surface just feels so much better. Um, and, yeah, you can you can feel the excitement. Um People love playing on it. Yeah. You mentioned coach talking with you about you know you know being a leader this year as a senior and everything. What, do you, what are some goals kind of you have in your mind about how you want to kind of lead and, and help these first years get in uh, used to college lacrosse? I should say. Yeah, I guess the biggest thing is lead by example. I'm mm-hmm. not the best talker. I'm not <laughs> the best hype guy, but yeah, doing things on and off the field, um, being the best human I can on and off the field and hoping these guys follow in my footsteps. What kind of culture are you guys looking to build? Because Dan and Eno mentioned a lot about building that culture last year and having to apply to this season. What, what have you noticed about this team as you move forward, sort of? Yeah, um, one thing Coach says a lot is is serve, serve each other. And, you know, it's, it's bottom-up um, leadership, like freshmen telling other guys what to do, seniors helping each other out. Um, the senior class has really stepped up this year. Um, we have a great group of guys. Like, I love everyone on the team, seniors especially. But, yeah, um, we're all here to serve each other and to make each other better and doing whatever we can to make everyone else better. All right, the Bobcats are at Hamilton this Saturday at Keene State on Wednesday, March 6th. Their next home game, for those of you, you can check out the schedule online, of course, but they're home against Williams on March 9th at noon at Garcelon Field. A road-heavy schedule, to say the least, to start the year, but then we get some home games closer to the end. So, uh, Will Masterson, thank you so much for joining us on the Bobcats. Congrats again on the game-winning goal in your first collegiate overtime game there against Emerson. Thank you so much, Aaron. Women's Lacrosse is home this Wednesday at 5 p.m. and this Saturday at 11 a.m. when they host Hamilton. And of course, the women's basketball team hosts Brooklyn College this Friday at 6.30 p.m. in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Find the complete schedule online at GoBatesBobcats.com and we'll catch you next time on the Bates Bobcast. (laughs) 